We begin with a simple meditation, allowing your body to relax and enjoy the conversation which is to come. Sit comfortably and when you are able to, close your eyes. Place your attention on your breath as you inhale and exhale through your nose. With each inhale, drive your breath into your belly, allowing it to expand. And as you exhale, allow the breath to exit with a gentle sigh. One more deep breath in, into your belly. And a gentle exhale as you sigh. And again, a deep inhale into your belly, allowing for a full exhale as you sigh. As you bring your breath to a regular calm pace, inhaling and exhaling through your nose, allow for a wave of relaxation to wash over your body. Finding any areas that may be holding tension. Begin scanning at the top of your head, noticing your brow, your jaw, and releasing any tension. Scan your neck, your shoulders, lifting your shoulders up to your ears and allowing them to drop. And again, lifting the shoulders up to the ears and allowing them to drop. Feeling the weight of the world rolling off. As you continue to relax, allow your chest and your upper back to release as you become aware of the beating of your heart in your chest. You may gently place your fingertips on your sternum, feeling the beating of your heart. Chin to chest in gratitude. As you continue to relax, let any tension go from your belly and you may place one hand on your heart and one on your belly, connecting the vibration of these two centers through your hands. Release even further, feeling the weight of your body on your seat as you place your hands on your lap. Allow for this wave of relaxation to wash over your legs, puddling at your feet with any traces of tension disappearing into the ground. Continue to inhale and exhale through your nose, allowing yourself to relax even further Breathe for another three rounds of breath. And when you're ready, you may open your eyes. Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic health consultant and healthy lifestyle designer. During the podcast, I will be in conversation with renowned women in service to their community sharing personal stories and the self-care rituals that keep us grounded. Let's begin. Hello friends. Welcome to today's live, bringing it to you from Central Park with all of the sounds and sights of New York, trying to find a quiet spot so that we can do our um, Q&A and have our guest speaker join us um, so that we can answer all of your questions. Today I have a very special friend, family friend on the live, um, Sarah Rubin. She is a nutritionist, certified um, dietitian. I'm sure she'll elaborate better on her title than I am 
doing it justice, but she's a pro, and we're going to chat all things nutrition and motherhood, and I have a few questions that some of you have already submitted, and I am sure Sarah is up for answering some questions as well. So if anybody has any questions, as always, during the conversation, please ask away. I'm close to finding a spot to sit, which is stunning. Look at this. This is where we're going to sit today. Isn't that beautiful? And I want you to pretend that you are here with me. What a day. What a beautiful day. All right. So while we wait for Sarah, I guess I can ans- start answering some questions while I sit on this beautiful very cinematic spot because there are so many um, there are quite a few really really good questions that I want to get to oh she's here Sarah's here okay she's here let's wait a few seconds hi, hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad we're doing this. You look like glowing outside. I wish I was there. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. I'm on Central Park around 72nd Street. Look at this. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I'm in a fairy tale right now. <laughs> but you're glowing. Look at you. Oh God, you know, really good bronzer right now. So <laughs> you always look beautiful. Even Aww, I feel like so even cool. when we're working out, every time I look over at, at you, you're just like doing your thing, looking perfect, and I'm like dying. <laughs> not really, not really. It's like, you know, power through, fake it till you make it. Yeah, let's sweat, <laughs> sweating together. Um, exactly. I, I, I briefly introduced you, but I know I am not doing justice to what it is that you do. So if you can introduce yourself yeah, and we can just start chatting. Perfect. So I'm Sarah Rubin, and my company is called Rooted Wellness, and I specialize in fertility, prenatal, and postnatal nutrition. Um, I got my master's at NYU, and I'm a registered dietitian, and my office is in Tribeca. And yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And I'm a mom, too. And I have two mom. little ones. <laughs> and I'm a yeah. mom. And you that's take, my other job. <laughs> and you take care of yourself. And something, you know, knowing you for, for quite a while, from an environment where I feel like everybody that shows up um, to Tracy is really caring for themselves and mindful of of what they're doing. But I love your approach in really supporting women through all these different stages of um, our life where I feel we're most vulnerable and we often don't know what to do. So having somebody on your side to do that, how did you end up um, uh, what, what led you to become a registered dietitian and then what led you to be focused on, on these areas? It's been such a long road, honestly. I feel like there are so many inputs that got me to this place, but um, I was an athlete growing up and got into nutrition as just like a passion, side passion. Um, and then when I went to college, I had you know, issues with my weight and not eating well and not taking care of myself. And went to an amazing therapist and got myself back on track and really took care of myself. And, and so nutrition became like an important part of, of that self-care. Um, and then I thought I was going to be a teacher, actually. So I was studying history and education studies in school. And as part of that program, I had to go and observe um, little kids in kindergarten and I saw what they were eating every morning and they were giving them like frosty flakes in the morning. And by noon they were completely like, it was like watching an energy, like a sugar high and an energy crash, like in motion. And I was kind of like, well, fuck man. Like this is why we have an obesity problem. Like why isn't anyone doing something? And obviously there are a lot of amazing people doing things. So that was always in the back of my mind. Then like the recession happened and I just got a job in the, in the nonprofit sector because that was like the job I could get out of school at the height of the recession and quickly found out that fundraising during a recession is really not fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I decided I, I started like writing a blog on, on health and wellness and, and things that I found interesting. And I was kind of like, why am I not doing this thing that I'm passionate about, like full time? Little did I know that like the full time aspect was like a three year program and had to take like organic chemistry and get all these prerequisites before I could even start my master's. But I was I've never one to shy away from a big risk or change it kind of just like jump right in so that's what I did and it was it ended up being a gamble that was worth it because um it kind of led me to being a dietitian but then I got more into pediatrics and as part of my program I did six months of rotations in a hospital so I got to do work in like the NICU and um working with um postpartum women who just had babies and all that sort of stuff. And so that was kind of what led me more towards women's health, which I always found amazing anyways. And then after I graduated, I got pregnant like six months later, or not not six months later, like two months later. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of took a pause after I had, I was doing private practice. I took a pause and I was kind of like, I just want to focus on helping women during a, a time that I found really challenging. And I didn't see, I found it like, I was worried about, you know, putting myself in this niche that I wouldn't have as many clients, but I was kind of like, I have to serve this population that there's not a lot of dietitians that are doing this. So that's kind of how, in a nutshell, kind of long I love way, it. How I got there. <laughs> no, it's fantastic because I, I think it goes to show that so many, so often we are, um, required to choose what we want to do at such a young age and we go to school and we start something and then we realize maybe that's not what I want to do so I love that your journey has been a windy road and how you've been inspired by your own journey by your own experience and then interacting with the children and then with the moms and, and that leading your path and you know you're absolutely right I feel like we put our children, we place our children in ourselves in the hands of people that we believe are experts or are caring for us. And then they're feeding us junk in times where we are, again, most vulnerable. Like a child doesn't really know how to choose. My kids, you know what my son does now? He'll eat the home breakfast and then he'll eat the cereal at school because it's there. (laughs) Or he'll eat the lunch I packed and then he'll eat the... Yesterday he's like, I don't feel so good. I ate the school lunch and it was some chicken patty burger or something. I'm like, I don't even want to know what's in there. But, you know, even though he know he eats at home, he eats his home lunch, yeah. he still wants to try these things. But yeah. I want to circle back to that, the fact that as a registered dietitian, it's not something you do overnight. You no. are trained in, in science, nutritional science, met the body at a medical degree. So talk to us a little bit about what that entails because you know there's so many people influencing people in what to eat that don't have an idea of what they're talking about and they're giving advice based on their own personal recommendations or whatever nonsense it is but if you really truly need help you should go to people with expertise but your level of expertise is something that's solid thank you yeah, I mean, we, we, I almost feel like in some ways, it's so funny, like my family calls me like the resident doctor, even though I'm not like a fully trained doctor, but I had to take a lot of the same classes that doctors did. So I had to take like anatomy and physiology, organic chemistry, um, intro to food. So I like learned how to prepare food on like a wide, on a on larger scale, like almost like catering. Um because a lot of dietitians go and then work in schools or in um, a hospital setting. So I really had more of like a clinical focus, which was kind of a challenge once I did private practice because I had to teach myself the whole business side of things, um, which is not always my strong suit. But, um, but yeah, it took me almost three years, including like doing all the science prerequisites and all of that. It was, it was a lot. And, um, going into it, I had, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> so my recommendation would be do your research before you go down this path. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And I feel like I met so many interesting people and 
Um, but beyond that, like, you know, really learned how to look at a stud, like a scientific study where to find information, which I feel like is a really big problem nowadays is like, where do we find credible information on Instagram, on the web? Like there's so much nonsense and it's very difficult to, to find, to find experts, right? Like, I feel like it's a different category. It's, I mean, it's, it's insane how people, I mean, I, the, the kind of things I come across, especially in social media of people, what was it that I read the other day? Oh, somebody wrote that we, when, if you eat meat, you're getting the protein because the, the cows eat grass. So we should just eat the grass and skip the cow. And I'm like, Oh, and this is somebody obviously promoting veganism and yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, no, it really doesn't work that way. But um, people seem to forget that food is, it, it, it's a biological and, and, and chemistry-based interaction that we have with food and how our bodies assimilate different foods and what a micronutrient yeah. versus... And, and I mean, we, we tend to see food as entertainment, food as fun, food, food as punishment, food as yeah. everything but nutrition. So if you were, were going to tell somebody in a nutshell, this is what food is and this is why you need food, yeah. what, would, what would that be? Oh, gosh. That's a really interesting question. <laughs> um, food is health, right? Like, I think at its very core, like, food is what gives us energy to survive, and, you know, certainly all of those other aspects, too. There's a huge social element to food, which I love. And I think, like, um, food is often present in most celebrations in our lives. Um, but at the very core, I feel like food is what keeps us alive and nourishes us. So Yeah. And I love to um, also highlight that you can eat to survive, but you can also eat to thrive, right? Exactly. So that's, do, that's where the key is. Yeah. How do you eat <laughs> to, to thrive? What's that? What's that? Um, again, in simple terms, if somebody wants to feel really good, what does food look like? I mean, I definitely follow like a Mediterranean diet. So really like thinking about eating a variety of different plants, um, getting in healthy fats and lean protein. A lot of what you put up, like the beautiful pictures on your Instagram, I love, because it's like very much, I feel like we're very aligned in our philosophies on this stuff. But um, I kind of feel like I run whenever someone talks about eliminating things unnecessarily. So like, you know, keto, paleo, I know people love, some people love it and it works for them and that's great. But I feel like for most people, cutting out and eliminating entire macronutrients is not a good strategy in the long run and not sustainable, you know? So I, I feel like really like what I try to think about when I, when I make recommendations is like what works for your lifestyle and what's realistic because that's what's going to affect behavioral change, right? Like that's really what's going to help people to move the needle on their health. It's like what you can do that's not requiring you to be in the kitchen for five hours a day, which is not, I mean, I don't know. I don't even do that. So like I wouldn't expect <laughs> anyone else to do that. <laughs> or even just constantly thinking about food because most of these yeah. commercialized diets, the, the point is to, have you in a in a space of always, always it's almost always focusing on what not to eat so you're always avoiding and you're always yeah. skipping and you're always making sure rather than focusing on everything that you should be eating and to your point it's not just what you're eating but it's the behavior you're having around the yeah. food what is the conversation in your head around food when are you eating are you eating i mean everybody's fasting these days or intermittent fasting which i can't you know we are very aligned um and it's like so many thoughts you gotta so eat thoughts. like if you're not even eating if food is your enemy and you're constantly you know there's you're a slave to food i mean i really feel like i mean i feel like we are like on the same page totally but like the whole concept of what i really loved recently that I feel like has gotten more traction is the whole concept of intuitive eating, which I really feel like is so 
critical is like finding that inner voice that's telling you like, hmm, I feel really tired and sluggish. I've been craving like red meat. Okay, I'm gonna have some like delicious grass fed um, steak that's like really well prepared and with a big salad. Like that's what I think defines like balance, right? Is like listening to your internal cues and what your body is telling you that you need in that moment rather than saying, well, I can't eat until noon and then I have to stop at eight o'clock, which is like also so from a social perspective is completely unrealistic too. Like it really limits you. Um, and no one wants to be the person at the dinner who's like, I'm just going to eat salad and <laughs> no wine. <laughs> I like the voice. I like, cause it's, that's exactly what it sounds like. And, and I've done it. Listen, I, I yeah. I think we've all been in that place. We've all we've been tried there, yeah. everything, right? And it's yeah. so sad when you're the one I know. I know. not doing the thing and then you think about it forever and the next time it's in front of you, then you eat all 25 times more than you need because it's this yeah. kind of scarcity and, and for, forbidden mindset that, you yeah. know, I like, to, I like to believe that anything you have to do based on willpower is not going to last. If you have to you know. hold yourself back from eating anything, it's not going to last. It's, it's, it's like constantly being, you know, do, doing um, cur bicep curls forever, you know, but yeah. mentally yeah. it's like, it's not, it's not going to work. So what do you think is the, you know, going back to the specifics of uh, prenatal pregnancy, postnatal nutrition, what are, what are the, the main areas to focus on there when you're in those yeah. stages in terms of your nutrition? I think what I often recommend is when you're starting to think about getting pregnant is the, the perfect time to like take notice of what areas are lacking in your life. So I really take a holistic approach when it comes to any recommendations. So like making sure that you're handling stress and have a way to take care of yourself, like a self-care routine, um, getting enough sleep. Definitely food is a huge piece of that too. So again, like the Mediterranean diet is pretty much like what is healthy for a pregnant person and a non-pregnant person, like across the board, that's really what women should be eating. Um, and so really trying to get all those pieces in place, ideally six months before you try to conceive, but like any point along that road, if you want to make a change, it's totally possible. Um, but then, you know, there, of course, like first trimester is really tough. A lot of women have really intense nausea or exhaustion. Um, so kind of trying to meet women where they're at and optimize nutrition when they're not feeling nauseous is a big part of that advice. And then from then on, it's really trying to get in like a lot of good healthy fats and making sure that they're getting plenty of variety and taking a good prenatal as an insurance policy, which it should be. Supplements should be an insurance policy, <laughs> not the main event for everyone. <laughs> um, but really trying to get like lots of variety and um, making sure that they're still continuing to get like all those other pieces, like a good exercise routine or, you know, wherever they are in that journey and sleep and stress and like all those pieces into place that are also going to help you have energy as a mom too. Like I feel like a lot of those practices are so good to establish during your first pregnancy because you can use them along your whole journey. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. It's and it's so fascinating because I think people don't understand that that when you are first you have to get the body ready to carry a pregnancy. That's a major yeah. event, right? And it's also something else. Oh yeah, we make babies in our bodies. Like it's insane. It's insane yeah. the fact that yeah. we can make a life in there. But the energy that that requires. And yeah. I feel that that's why sometimes when we're pregnant, I mean, I was ravenous. I could eat everything. But if you, if you're, if you don't know what to eat, that's when you go, I mean, and it, there's nothing wrong with eating the donuts and the pint of ice cream, which no. we all did. It, as well. it, it but, happens. Hey. Yeah. But if you don't have kind of like the basics down and that's yeah. only what you're eating. And then by the time the baby comes and you have that superhuman period where you feel like I can do anything and, Sometimes we don't eat and if somebody's not feeding yeah. us and then all of a sudden you crash, yeah. right? And it's just yeah. like, oh my God. And, you know, I, I have, for me, both of my pregnancies were very different. The first one I had been on top of my nutrition. I was doing uh, Tracy, 
um, even into the pregnancy until I couldn't do it anymore. And after I had the baby, I felt great. And I feel like I recovered really quickly. I had a C-section and it felt um, very different than my second one where I hadn't worked out for a while. I wasn't eating that great. I had a natural birth and that I felt amazing after a C-section. Yeah. I mean, it was like that. The recovery of that was very, very rough because I hadn't cared for myself in the same way as the first one. Mm. And I don't even know. I think I was too busy with work. It was like a different mindset that I had. Yeah. And I saw the difference between both. And in hindsight, it was like, wow, when I was just eating right and moving my body a little bit, I felt a certain way. And when I didn't, I felt a whole different way. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's really like, it's like training for a marathon. Like, I, I know it's like a cliche to say, but it really is. It's really like an athletic event having a baby and postpartum which no one really I mean there's more talk about that now but I feel like it's it's not anywhere near the attention that it deserves like I feel like with my my firstborn I was so focused on like getting through labor and delivery and so like afraid of that piece that I didn't spend any time preparing myself for how shitty postpartum is like how terrible it's 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 just so awful it's awful and I just remember like sitting on the couch a weekend and being like, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? Just like getting like sucked dry, like starving. I honestly <laughs> like ravenous all the time. Yes. Enormous boobs, the whole thing. It's um, just like you're living in a, in a, in a, like a, a shitty Airbnb. Like you yeah. don't know what's going <laughs> like, to, what is happening here and how yeah. am I going to manage this? And the hunger is like, so real i mean i had a i like had a breakdown two weeks in because my my husband would usually defer to me when it was coming coming to like any food decisions he'd be like what do you want for lunch like because i care a little bit more than the average person that's what i do um and i got to the point where i was like i cannot handle like thinking about a menu i need you to feed me like yes i can't do it I don't have the mental energy. I'm exhausted. And by the way, like every three hours, I want to gnaw off my own arm. Yeah. So like, I really need you to give me food. Well, and a lot <laughs> to, of people To which she was like, calm down, I got you. But, no, well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I feel like so many people, like when people would come visit me, they were like, can I help with the baby? Can I hold baby? Can I do the baby? And I'm like, I got the baby. I'm the baby's food. I'm the baby's everything. Can somebody feed me? Like, can you take care of me? And a lot of times we don't understand that, that the one that needs more care is the mom because mom's taking care of the baby, Yeah. you know? So that whole idea of just make them food, just cook, just don't ask them. My husband would do the same thing, would come home. uh, What do you want? Do you want to help out? Like with good intentions. And I was like, of course, any, just anything, just anything anything you want to and he was like, no, but do you want, and it would be these kind of elaborate things. And I was just like, is this it? Like, it, and how long is it going to last? Because when you're, yeah. you know, the days are long, the months are, the weeks and months are short. But yeah. in those first few weeks where you are so vulnerable, you just, you know, I, I have a lot of Asian friends and in, uh, you know, Nicole Berry is one that shares a lot about this yeah. too, which we both know. And some friends from China. And they are like, you don't move for 40 days. Somebody makes you They got it right. Yep. And then they give you milk and you don't wash your hair and they bring you everything and you can't get too cold or too hot. And it's like, that's good. That is good. (laughs) I need, I need that. I need it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I still need that. (laughs) Right. I could use that right Um, now, actually. (laughs) I could use that right now. How does that translate then into, you know, I really believe that kids learn from what the mom especially but what the parents are doing so if you're not eating and if you're drinking green juice and not eating any real food and you're telling your kids oh here's your food how does that how what's your advice on that to mom especially new moms how do you how should you eat in front of your kids like what could be a good philosophy to have in the home yeah I mean this is something I feel like I personally have spent so much time thinking about because I'm of the elk. Like I don't want to mess up my kids by being a dietitian and like by, you know, I don't feel like I have rules with food. I think I have a really balanced approach to food, but I'm still really cognizant of it because I've seen it happen with other 
dietitian friends of mine where like their kids are super picky or like just are have different issues around food and um I think it's really just yeah I we started doing family meals with my son when he was like two or three and was starting to like really eat like real food with us um and I feel like it totally changed even though it's annoying to have to eat at like 5 30 or 6 like it kind of changed his approach to food and his willingness to like try new things and you know he went through like the toddler phase where he like didn't want to eat anything and just wanted to eat pasta and carbs or like all day he would be on like a keto diet and only eating like chicken. I'm <laughs> like, they go through like days like this. Yeah. And I just would like keep on reminding myself in the back of my head, like, look at the week, look at the multiple weeks. Like he will get it in. No child ever starved in Tribeca. Like they will be okay. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I feel like we are their best role models when it comes to this. And so like, I feel like eating a variety of foods and showing them that like treats do have a place in a normal diet, like having ice cream or having a cupcake every now and then it does have a place. Like one of the things that I feel like I've done right with my kids so far is that I actually don't limit them. Like when they go to a, a party, I, I let them have cake and I let them enjoy food with other kids because I don't want them to feel alienated and like ostracized. And the truth is like, more often than not, they don't finish it. And they find, find themselves like looking for fruit or like looking for some water or something else. It's like not so sweet because that just doesn't appeal to them because it's not, it's not completely restricted from them. Absolutely. So, and I, I think even the idea of teaching them how food feels in their body, you know, like my yeah. kids, I'm the same. They're not restricted. We, we eat a certain way. But if we go out, I don't bring snacks to other people's parties. They eat whatever's there. And you know what? Sometimes they sneak too many cupcakes and they come tell me, it's like, I shouldn't have done that because now I feel really bad. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. cupcakes are delicious. But if you eat too many of them and, you know, I think it goes both ways in terms of allowing them and eating the same things as them and eating the cupcake. But also I feel like it's okay to say no because I don't feel like it in front of them. You know, I have a lot of friends who they're like, oh, I didn't feel like eating cake, but it was my daughter's birthday or we went to a party and it was cake and I didn't want to say no in front of my daughter. And I said, actually, if you didn't want to eat it, the best thing you can teach her is saying no, thank you, because I don't feel like eating it. You know, there there shouldn't be peer pressure and participate because you know right now it's cupcakes but then that translates into alcohol or that translates into other things um um, later in life so actually how did how does alcohol fit for you into the whole nutrition conversation i definitely i mean i think it's it's challenging right like i drink and i've kind of gotten to the point where like i really try not to have more than like a glass of wine during the week maybe one or two nights because i feel like i just don't feel good the next day but on the weekends i definitely will like have a cocktail i don't really do a lot of like sweet um add-ins so i keep it like simple i love wine like i definitely think it can be part of a balanced diet and i think that when it becomes a problem it's like when you feel like you need it at the end of the day to like have a relaxing moment. And I've definitely had clients like that. Like a lot of my mom clients, especially like during the pandemic, I feel like the abuse of alcohol has become a lot more prevalent. So those are like tough conversations to have with a client, but I really, really believe in like trying to find that balance. It's honestly, at the end of the day, it's not like, totally possible and like I don't expect to have perfection in everything it's more like as you're mentioning having that really great foundation so that like the fun stuff like french fries or alcohol or like the occasional burger like those all can fit into a healthy diet um but yeah I definitely I feel like that's one of those things that like we like my husband and I really stopped drinking as much um during the pandemic mostly because like we were worried about our health and like wanting to keep our immune system strong. And when we had more than like a glass of wine, we, it would really start to impact us and mm. on our sleep, which is really the biggest reason for me. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, I feel like we got to the point where we're like, I'm okay with like reducing it a little bit, but like actually savoring the alcohol and drinking and not just drinking it for the feeling of like being buzzed, which yes. we all do. But yeah. um, well, there's also I feel like a big difference in again going back to the whole diet or restrictive mentality. Yeah. I've had clients that would not eat to save the calories to to have a glass of wine. The same that some would not eat a meal because they had some fresh, you know, this this idea that it's calories in versus calories yeah. out as opposed it's to It's that whole like drunkorexic thing, right? Like, yes. They do it in oh college too. Yes. Yes. I mean, that should so be a hashtag. It, it, I'm sure someone's, I, I definitely didn't think of that. But <laughs> it's true. Like, there, I feel like, that's what makes me sad too, because that's actually when the alcohol is going to have more of an impact on your body and be so much harsher on your liver when it, you're not eating any food all day long. Right. Like obviously you're going to get shit faced. Like, yeah, that's like if, if you have your nutrition down, if you're having those meals every day that are micronutrient dense where you have all the components on them, that's when you have no worry about having the wine or the cake or the burger or yeah. whatever your thing is. But the problem is we're skipping meals or keep, we're skipping real meals. I mean, yeah. a typical one is I'm going out to dinner tonight. So I'm just not going to eat all day because I know I'm going to eat a lot. It's like, so how are you running? You know, people, your, your body's like a car, like you're going to run the car yeah. dry until you get yeah. to like the one gas station. No, you got to keep um, fueling it. But I would love to know, from the social sphere, what are the top three most horrible pieces of advice that you've seen that you would tell people, please do not do that? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I think juicing, like, all day long. I mean, I feel like that's very kind of antiquated at this point. Like, people have moved more to, like, intermittent fasting, which I also don't love, especially for women. It can really mess with your hormones, especially if you're, like, of conception age where you're thinking about having kids like don't go near that um but yeah I, I like the green juice thing I just like some people love it and that's great I don't think it's really the best thing to do for from a blood sugar perspective um mostly because you're not getting all the fiber that comes along with fruits and vegetables that help your digestive system and help you to absorb all that sugar that like you know fruits and vegetables do have sugar it's healthier, healthier sugar than you would get from like sugar, sugar, like cane sugar, but you're still getting that hit. Um, so that's a terrible piece of advice, like doing the green juice all day long or like not having a real meal. Um, and the intermittent fasting, which we talked about, I'm trying to think of a third one that has been like terrible advice. I hear so much bad stuff. <laughs> to be I mean, what honest. about like so much, so, so many like powders, you know, oh, replace God. your meal with, with powders or supplements. There's like an exaggerated, yeah. people don't forget that supplements, your liver has to process that. And they're not complete yeah. foods. Like that yeah. one to me. I think anything where it's like not real food is something that shouldn't be trusted, right? Like I know some people love like Prolon, like all these fasting things, I just don't do it. Like you're going to mess up your metabolism. You really are. And then like people just gain all the water weight back because it's mostly water weight that they lost anyway. And like, I've heard people do this as a way of like kicking off healthier eating. And I'm like, why don't you kick off healthier eating by starting to eat healthy? Yes. <laughs> Very basic. Like, don't eat, eat crap, <laughs> eat vegetables yeah. and fruits. <laughs> Well, I think we've been so indoctrinated into the idea that if you eat less, especially for women, that's that's your key yeah. to success, right? So yeah. the more I can do to eat less, the better I'm going to be. And it's like, is it working for you? Because yeah. if it's not, like I met a woman the other day and she was she was very proud and telling me that she only eats raw food. She, I only eat raw food. I only eat raw food. And yeah. she didn't look healthy. And yeah, um, in my it. mind, yeah. no, she actually was carrying a little bit of unhealthy weight and yeah. she looked she had had these allergies and she was really inflamed like she and, and she was she believed it was a tomato she ate and I was like that's not a tomato your system's like on red alert right now and she yeah. told me oh I, yeah but I only eat raw food and I'm like that's not working you're not feeling well her skin she was complaining she was yeah. rashy this or that and she she felt like 
she didn't feel good, but she ate raw food. And it's like, actually, and I thought we were over that phase, but I guess some people are still I thought doing so that. I thought so, too. But, that was right? like very 2005. Like, like I, I did that one, and I did it for a year. That was one of the things. Yeah, did we thing all go to, like, one lucky duck and all those things? Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> massive amounts of pureed nuts and, and, and tomatoes. Oh, my God. Um, you know what's so interesting? I've been doing a lot of research on breath work, and it's something that I've implemented a lot into my practice yeah. and what I teach. And there's all this evidence from um, Dr. Uh, Weston Price, who was a dentist. And there's this correlation between not chewing food and having crooked teeth and having and the and deformation in your um, in your mouth that doesn't allow you to breathe. And it was back in the beginning of last century. They did all these studies comparing society, modern society at that time, and the dentistry and the people's teeth and yeah. tribes and all the tribes people had perfect teeth. They didn't matter wow. what, what they ate, but there were, you know, some ate more grassy stuff, some ate more protein. But there had been this uh, upsur upsurge in eating softer food, a lot of oatmeal, potatoes, things were starting to be canned and people weren't yeah. chewing enough and everybody yeah. started getting crooked teeth. And crooked teeth lead to, means that there's some kind of thing. So chewing food, it's not only good for your health, it's good for your breathing, you know, I mean, yeah. not only good for your nutrition, but it's good for your, for your breathing. But yeah. I want to see if there, there are some people send in some questions and yeah. I think some of them are great if you could answer. So this right. is one that I would love to ask you. Hold on. Let me post it here. What do you think about Hashimoto's in relation to food, which uh, to avoid and which to include, I assume? Oh, man. Um, well, Hashimoto's is an inflammatory disease, right? It's an immune um, modulated disease. So in avoiding foods that are going to lead to inflammation is usually what I recommend and what I've known is the most successful with that. Um, with some women, you know, I personally don't think like gluten is the most inflammatory food, but some people don't respond as well to it. And there's a lot of people who have um, gluten intolerance, but may not register as celiac. And so I think there is a place for that. I don't think gluten is the devil. Like I eat bread, I eat gluten. Um, but I found that with Hashimoto's and other immune modulated diseases, like a gluten-free and dairy-free diet does tend to help just in terms of from their inflammatory with, um, inflammation. Dairy in particular has a stronger response when it comes to Hashimoto's. So um, that's really, and staying away from like added sugars, things that are going to inflame your body and all those other self-care practices that we were talking about, like getting good sleep and, have, and having an exercise routine, like all those things that are going to help your body feel really good um, are really helpful too. So that's, that's what yeah. I recommend. I love that. And something that I found with my clients that have had Hashimoto's or are still um, exhibiting some of those symptoms, something that really helps is eating. Just like yes. eat food. Most of them are not eating, right? Yeah. Again, going back to the trends or not even if, even if they're not consciously intermittent fasting or choosing not to eat, it's just so easy to skip meals, right? Oh, I didn't it have is. time for breakfast. I just grabbed a coffee and then yeah. lunch was too crazy. So I ate some whatever I had there and then they're not eating. And you know, the, the thyroid is the, the, the control center right of the body yeah. and if we're running low on battery it starts shutting shit down it's like no hair no nails forget about yeah. the skin slow down yeah. we're just slowing down here so eating would be one thing that i would yeah. recommend i also feel like so many people who have hashimoto's or other like immune um response diseases like tend to be so afraid also of food because it's kind of like food is also causing their symptoms in some respects. So it's kind of like, you don't know what is going to make you feel bad that day. So that's kind of where like, I feel like we come in, right? Like, with more um, advice on that and helping people just feel empowered in their in their diet choices, too. Yeah, eat your veggies, eat some protein, some good fats. Yeah. And eat three times a day, at least, right? Let me yeah. see what other questions we have. Um, oh, we talked Oh, this is a good one because it relates, I feel like, to what we've been talking about. I know you strongly dislike fasting. Yes. 
But what about <laughs> if one has a lot of inflammation, Sarah? Um, well, certainly fasting is not going to help with inflammation. So I can tell you that right now. Actually, it might make it worse because you're not getting anything inputting anything into your body to help lower inflammation. A lot of times inflammation can be solved by eating more fruits and vegetables, which are antioxidants, which means that it prevents your cells from becoming oxidized. Oxidized cells lead to inflammation. So that's really like the bottom line is like you need to eat. You don't like intermittent fasting does not work for inflammation. It, you know, and a lot of the studies, by the way, on intermittent fasting have looked at obese men, not women. So there is a huge lack of support to say that intermittent fasting helps in any way with women. And women and men do need to eat differently in a lot of cases. Like we have different bodies. We have different sexual functions. Like there, there's a we handle hormones differently. Um, so I really believe like there's not a whole lot of support to say that intermittent fasting is a good strategy for women in particular. Yeah, and I mean, I know science is, has no no space for anecdotal experience or anecdotal information. I think so. I think but so. I think I so. don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what I was going to say is I'm sure you have experience, as I, yeah. with yeah. most people that come to me that have been intermittent fasting, it's not working. Yeah. It's, not, it's no. just not working. And it, it hasn't worked at, at a personal level, and it hasn't worked with the people that we've come across with. So these this anecdotal information is helpful yeah. because we see yeah, it I one. Think, I agree. No, uh, I think, I, and, I, and I think anecdotal is really important too, right? Like, especially if you're someone who's studied a lot of this stuff like you have, like where you've learned from like your own experiences and the experiences of your clients and you can look with um, an unbiased view at how these things are making you feel, right? Um, So I, I do think there is a place for anecdotal and I don't think science has all the answers either. I do True. think there's a mix. Like I think science lags behind, right? Like you, there's, especially with nutrition science, because it's really hard to perform a good study, right? Like you, it's not, you can't really do like randomized controlled trials for nutrition because it's unethical in a lot of mm -hmm. cases, right? Like making people sick is not ethical in a trial. So <laughs> let's do it really... with mice. Yeah. <laughs> So it's hard to, to, and that's why a lot of people are like, well, you know, nutrition said one thing now, and now it's saying something different about cholesterol. And, you know, it's like, it's a fluid science and science is constantly changing and developing. And it does lag behind a lot of times with what yeah. we know anecdotally works. So, well, I feel I like think. science is always, it, it, it makes up, it proposes an idea or raises something then there's some evidence but it's always wanting to be challenged it's almost yeah. like that's that's yeah. that's the whole point of science it's like oh are yeah. you sure about that let's look at it in a different way but um totally. thank you for that okay this is a good one are there any supplements that you take or do you get all of your nutrients from food alone i take supplements for sure um i take a probiotic i think everyone should Um, the truth is that like we live in a toxic food system. And so like we are not necessarily getting all local food. And, you know, back in the day when you eat locally, you would get a lot of your microbiome would be healthier because you were getting a lot of the food from the soil that was local. So like all of that kind of influences how your body works. So I, I take a, a probiotic. Um, let me see if I take anything else. I take vitamin D because I tend to get really low in vitamin D, even if I eat and it's harder to get from food. Um, other than that, I don't really think I take anything else at this point. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I was taking a prenatal with my kids, but again, insurance policy. Exactly. I'm a minimalist <laughs> as well. And I think if you're eating food yeah. and you eat regularly, you can get more and i i do notice yeah the definitely the probiotic regard exactly what you explained um but i think a lot of us are kind of mineral deficient like we're not eating yeah. enough mineralizing um foods or you know we're eating foods that are very depleted because of the soil issue as yeah. well um so making sure that people have the right salt in their food and yeah. maybe sometimes a little bit of electrolyte here and there, but 
we're on a on a on like a, a supplement overload everybody goes to the supplement first I, if first you look at your nutrition then you look at your behavior then yeah. maybe you go to supplement right but people yeah. are going yeah. to the supplement first like oh i'm going to take all these yeah. adaptogens and ashwagandha and mushrooms and i know turmeric I know. and all that it's like but you're still eating the same stuff or not yeah. and you're not moving and you're not sleeping and you think that little mushroom powder is going to help you out yeah I know it's like get the sleep first and then come back to me. <laughs> All right, I do see. take I do take magnesium actually sometimes when I'm like stopped up or traveling or like having a couple bad nights of sleep. I'll take that too. But I love a good magnesium. Oh, me too. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see one more question and then we'll let you go. Oh, this is a really good one, and I know this person. Um, so this is a good, this is, I know the backstory to this. Digestive enzymes have truly helped me. I would love to understand how and why they work. Yeah, I mean, as we age also, like our digestive, we get less, we have less digestive enzymes. So a good example is like, just personally, like I found out last year that I had a lactose deficiency. I wasn't, I, as I aged, I was not digesting lactose as well. And so like I had to stop, eating dairy or like taking lactate when I would eat dairy and lactate basically is a digestive enzyme that helps you digest lactose. So our bodies, um, you know, as we age, our, our just everything doesn't work the same. And our pancreatic, the enzymes that are released from our pancreas, we might not have as many um, to, to help us break down food. So basically that's kind of the thought behind using digestive enzymes. And for some people they're really helpful and for other people like they don't need them as much. Um, but if you're finding that like you're very, you're really constipated all the time or you're having like other digestive issues, sometimes they can really help. Yeah, I find that a lot of times it's uh, people are not chewing enough and digestion yeah. starts in the mouth, right? And the enzymatic totally action true. and some food. And or where where we go for a very long time without eating certain food groups and certain yeah. macronutrient um, groups, and the body kind of doesn't produce what we don't need. So you gotta wait a minute and allow it for for it to kick up. But yeah. like in my case, when I was pregnant, enzymes were great. Um, I was getting all yeah. this acid reflux. Like I was just not digesting. But then on, on regular time, if I take enzymes. I it feels so weird like it's just like yeah. not it's I don't need much. them so it's, yeah. like, it's too much so it's not right um hi Joseph oh my god I was gonna say hi <laughs> um Sarah I've loved having this conversation with you if anybody would want to work with you how can they find you well you can find me at um you can go on my website it's www.rootedwellness.com um, or you can email me at sarah at rootedwellness.com. It's the best way to reach me. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much. I'm so glad we did this. And you are such a wealth of information too. I feel like I always learn things when I talk to you too. So I really love your perspective too. Thank and you. We learn really from each call. other. I'm yeah. so happy that we finally had this conversation. And it could me be too. one from many. We can pick, pick subjects and keep elaborating. But I think the the, the strongest... Um, gift you've given us today is encouraging people to eat and how actually eating food, you know, and being more relaxed about it is is the actual way to go. So I look forward to seeing you in person, and I'm gonna give you a hug when I see you. Yes, definitely. Enjoy that beautiful park behind you. Thank you. I'm gonna go for a walk. So I'll see you guys later. Thank you.